Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey guys, welcome to this week's podcast. I got a very cool show with Corey from My Life in Gaming as the co-host. Um, you know, he's great as always. I love both of those guys, and I'm very happy that I was able to get Corey on as well. Uh, a lot of cool stuff to talk about, but first, I just wanted to say a very quick thank you to everybody and for everybody's support. Uh, lots of great messages coming in, and I was able to sell a lot of stuff too. Um, even some of the people that already bought stuff uh, swung by the office and picked up some more. So thank you guys for the support. Um, no. No jacked up prices. Everything is, you know, what I paid for it. So sometimes it's an okay deal. Sometimes it's a great deal, but no one's getting ripped off. Um, so please check the link down below again. Uh, I'm going to continue to to list stuff till it's all gone. Probably another week or two for all the stuff I was trying to to clear out. It takes a long time to pack and, and list these things. So please keep checking um, and see if there's anything that you guys might like. I know there was actually an issue with some of the shipping costs. Uh, where a few people had emailed, mostly with the music stuff, where they said the shipping calculator said shipping was going to be like $100 for... So I fixed all that, don't worry. So, um, But thank you guys very much. Definitely check out the links. And to all my Patreons, um, I know this is airing on November 1st, but I do the drawings based on uh, what comes through on the first of every month. So next week will be the Patreon giveaway. And I have an amazing, amazing giveaway donated by Game Tech coming up. Um, you know, I, I'm always careful with how I do these things because I don't want people to feel like I'm trying to bribe them to become Patreons. Um, but, you know, it's already too late. This is episodes airing in November, so all of my October Patreons are going to have a chance to win something absolutely freaking killer. So thank you guys for everybody's support. Um, and, you know... Uh, just can't thank you guys enough, and hopefully I will be able to reward one of the amazing October Patreons with an amazing donation from Jason from Game Tech. So, very excited. I was tempted to try to find some way to do the drawing right away for this, but next week... So, yeah, there's a there's my cheesy teaser. To, you know, you'll find out in next week's episode. What's up, Corey? How you doing, man? I'm doing all right. How about you? Good. Thank you for doing this. I've been wanting to have you on for a while, but uh, our schedules seem to be uh, crossing paths not not as often as I'd like, I guess. But yeah, I mean, it's it's we've been talking about it for a while, but you know, with uh, you know, with with kids, uh, my kids make it so much more difficult to schedule it. Yeah, my uh, my apartment situation makes it hard for me too. But uh, <laughs> we're finally here. We're doing this, and there's actually a lot of really cool shit to talk about this week. Nice, nice. I can't wait to hear what you have to. What you've what you've uh, brought to the table today? Awesome. Well, let's jump right into it. All right. Let's start with an easy one and some good news. The GSCART Switch Lite is up for sale right now, um, and anybody could just go get one, and it should ship relatively soon. So, um, I don't know. I love mine. Do you still have one? 
Oh, yeah, I have two. I have a light and a uh, a regular one. Me too, me too. I, can't, I actually uh, just uploaded a, a page on the site that shows you how to make the low-pass filter switch on mm-hmm. the original. Um, and while, I mean, I, I will never, ever sell my original, um, the light actually is a little, the uh, signal is a little bit cleaner through it. Really? Yeah, now, I mean, you're. I'm splitting hairs. I'm talking about pumping it 5x through the OSSC, zooming all the way in in Photoshop to look at the different... Mm-hmm. But um, it's neat. Like I'm, I have a very specific use for both. You know, one of them with the toggleable switch, the VGA output. Like, you know, uh, and both are. We'll. I'll never sell either. They're both like, you know, the major tools in my arsenal. So. Yeah, I can't even imagine. I can't even remember what life was like without them. <laughs> yeah, I still have those otaku switches too. I still have yours, and I still have the one I bought that I just. Uh, maybe at the very least, I'll slap together some comparison picks just so people could uh, see the differences. I really wanted to put them on an oscilloscope, but I don't own one, and that's I'm not going to buy one for at least six <laughs> months. So, yep. Well, anybody that wants it, um, I believe they're they're shipping relatively soon. So just you know, no no wait, no order. Just pick them up and go. All right, next up is a huge one. This one is uh, it hits me right here because I love the Super <laughs> Nintendo. Mm-hmm. Um, Voltar stumbled across uh, what we think is a fix for the ghosting on the one-chip Super Nintendos. Oh, man. So, yeah, that's uh, that's something that I've been struggling with for a while. And what the testing that he did actually proved out something that... Um, it proved the why, not the what. So after my years of testing, Voltar and I did that, like, three- or four-hour live stream, um, which I still never had time to, like, chop it up into <laughs> a nice, easy video... But what we determined is that all one-chip revisions are the same. Um, and if you do the bypass, the mini and the one-chip is the same. But, you know, it's roll the dice on the quality that you get from each. So you could buy a 100 one-chip 01, a 100 one-chip 02, and a 100 one-chip mm-hmm. 03, um, and then do all the right mods, and they'll average out to be identical. So it was very common for somebody to say, oh, the 03 is the best, the 01 is the best, whatever, it's just... You get lucky. And I always said it was my gut feeling that the tolerances between them, um, you know, while there is wear and you know, maybe some caps go bad or something, it had to do with the components used because there was a very wide tolerance for each component. So, like, for example, in the thing that I'm about to talk about, um, one of the capacitors, uh, well, all of the capacitors on there have a 20% tolerance. So that means if it's supposed to be a 100 microfarad, it could vary between 80 and 120. And that's just stock from the factory. And of course, that's with all electronics because, you know, unless you're insane like us, you can't you can't tell the <laughs> difference between the stuff anyway. But these things uh, would account for the wide swing in um in quality between the different uh, revisions. And on top of that, that would also explain why some have no ghosting at all and some have really bad ghosting even after a bypass. So I ordered the stuff to test myself. Not that I doubt anybody, but I'm a nerd. You have to have three or four (laughs) people test it before it's official. It's just the way we roll. But Mm -hmm. um, it's really, really exciting. So to quote what Voltar said, he he wanted to, to make sure... Uh, that it wasn't something in the chip because maybe the chips themselves have a wide tolerance and or accuracy tolerance. So he actually swapped the ASICs between a system that had the ghosting and a system that didn't. The, so you know the the chips with all the little pins on them, the one that I can really easily break. <laughs> right. He swapped those, and the problem uh, stayed on the board. Not it didn't follow the chip. 
So that helps so, him narrow it down a lot. Yep. Right so then he started poking around and probing components that are close in proximity to it. Um, and he found a capacitor, uh, and he probed it with his meter, and it was supposed to read one thing. And he thought, well, maybe maybe it shouldn't be. Maybe it, uh, maybe it should be a little bit different. So he uh, swapped it out with one that has a 5% tolerance capacitor, and the ghosting went right away. Now, caps are different than resistors. You can get 1% tolerance resistors for very cheap pennies. But the difference between 5% and 1% for capacitors is like dollars. So 5% is <laughs> fine. Um, and he was also looking at a different resistor that may or may not make a difference. So um, I'm going to uh, verify his testing hopefully this week and have something on that next week. Maybe I'll do a video with him or something. But uh, really, it's really exciting for huge fans of the Super Nintendo, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And it's the only other thing that I I don't think, which I will test is if doing this capacitor fix, which did show that it fixed the ghosting, um, if you do that, you do the the brightness attenuating resistors, if doing both of those will make a stock one-chip Super Nintendo look just as good as a Mini with you know just the, the RGB lines hooked up. I don't think so, because we tested that pretty hardcore in the, that four-hour testing we did. Mm-hmm. Um, but... I mean, if this all works, it, it might theoretically be possible that if you changed every single capacitor on that board with, you know, uh, with a 5% tolerance and every single resistor with a 1%, maybe it would be better. But, I mean, that's, what's the point? You could just slap in the 7374 board for 30 bucks right. and have it perfect. So, uh, but yeah. Which, uh, Am I allowed to talk about an uh, upcoming episode of My Life in Gaming? Sure. Or? Yeah, yeah. So what testing have you done for the SNES version episode that that's coming, you know, between now and never, I guess? Between <laughs> now and never? Uh, not a whole lot. I don't want to put a time constraint <laughs> on you. <laughs> I know. Well, I know that you, uh, the, the system that I'm borrowing from you is the uh, the one that has the previous uh, amp in it before the, the 7374. Does it have that, or does it have the sRGB expansion board in it? Um, I don't know. I've, I have not opened it. Because so. the, uh, the, the expansion board is essentially the same as just taking the RGB lines and adding some resistors. Uh, it's just all in one very nice and easy-to-install package, which would you know, completely remove those wads of wires and glue and crap you see from, from eBay systems. Even a beginner could do this fairly easily. Um, to, honestly, uh, the only debate that I don't, I, I won't pick sides on, is for the minis. Is it better to get a seven three seven four, mm-hmm. or an S? Just use the bypass board and use its own encoder. And I just, I, I, I just, I have one about each. I keep going back and forth because I, I really don't. There's advantages to each cost. It's, you know, it's ten bucks cheaper or something. But right. I don't know. But have you seen any like? Uh, consistency issues have you seen any any one that looks better to your eyes based on the ones that you've gotten um i i mean i have a uh, unit with a voltar 7374 in it and i i mean it's like my main system pretty much at this point i've been using it fairly consistently since uh i mean the only thing i don't like about the uh about the the um the mini it just doesn't feel like is like solid you know it's just I don't think it like looks as as good on camera either. I mean, a yeah. lot of people will say, you know, the uh, the the um, the U.S. version of the Super NES, you know, is like it's it's ugly. But you know, I, I kind of got it. a soft spot for it. 
Yeah. When I when I play these games, <clears throat> at, at this point, 99%, if not more, is just about the experience of playing the game. So you got to have the original controller. Um, you know, you can't have weird crap on the screen. It's got to be nice and clear. But right. That's the really all I care about anymore. What got me into retro RGB is a little bit of the nostalgia. But if I had a choice between having the same exact experience, but I get to have the original Super Nintendo sit in the middle of a room, I would I would rather look at the big old Super <laughs> Nintendo. Yeah. That little tiny bit of me just you know it is that is the nostalgia that kind of feels awesome. So. Yeah. So I don't have like a better answer for you, like, but I you know once I kind of. Uh, for those that have followed our channel, like you, you'll notice that like our releases have been a bit more spread out than we than we would have liked recently, and that's just because uh, we've like had freelance things going on, and it's just been like hard to keep up lately. But I think that things are going to get better really soon. Yeah. Well, also, I you know, you guys committed to making good videos. I committed to making a video every Wednesday, so mm-hmm. uh, my shit could look like this. <laughs> it completely <laughs> serve its purpose. Uh, it's better when you guys spend the time make things the way you guys always make them. So take your time. That's why I said between now and never. Whenever that video comes out, we'll all watch it, but uh, no rush. So. All right. All right. Well, stay tuned for both of our upcoming SNES videos. Mine probably yeah. going to be sooner just because I'm going to get excited oh. and throw it up with a quick blue screen background. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if I'll not check Okay. It. Up next, clickbait eBay scandal. No, not really. <laughs> I've been having fun yelling that lately. and I don't know why. People get annoyed, but it makes me giggle. So, um, There are composite to HDMI boxes. Oh, on I see. Yeah, yeah. And there's, I have no problem with that. They serve a very good purpose. Uh, you can get them fairly cheap, um, and I wouldn't knock anybody for using those. They're, they certainly have a time and a place. It's not for perfectionists, but uh, you know, crazy perfectionists like me would totally use them for certain things. That's not what these are. Um, somebody <laughs> has taken the time to put like individual stickers on each. They're like a hundred dollars, and I yeah. love some of these. You know, like Sega Saturn HDMI cable box. Wow, and rare. <laughs> uh, play your games in HDMI, eBay exclusive. Don't miss out. Yeah, limited offer. Yep, Sega Dreamcast HDMI box cable only. I don't know what that means. Uh, <laughs> limited offer. There's a couple of. Hold on. All right, Sega Dreamcast HDMI box cable only. Really makes the picture wow. Big upgrade. <laughs> <laughs> don't miss out version two. That's probably the second version of the sticker they printed to put on it. Um, where is oh man, uh, almost a hundred dollars though. That's insane. Yeah. Don't miss out. Big upgrade rare. I mean, I, Look just, at this, I don't understand. Uh, I don't understand anybody. <coughs> uh, wow and the... rare still definitely makes me smile <clears throat> the most. I, I'm so sad that we don't see the, uh, like the look with the two ats in between, you know, make it look like eyes. I don't think they're allowed <laughs> to do that anymore. Yeah. Um, but look, if you look, you know, I can't believe that, you know, like this, uh, the Nintendo HDMI box uh, cable three, three and one for the N64. They, they've sold fifteen of them. Yeah. At almost a hundred bucks. Yeah. And. And they don't. Uh, what they do, which is a little, uh, I don't see where it plugs into the box. But what I'm thinking they do is take an official Nintendo composite cable, because you could see the plug says Nintendo mm-hmm. on it cut the ends off, and solder it directly in, uh, to a board, and then put that board into a case, and then go from there. Um, 
so to make it look like an official Nintendo product. But this is most definitely just composite video. This is it's a, it would be impossible for this to be RGB. So yeah, it's um it's that's absolutely crazy to me. It's after shipping it's uh, $120 pretty much for just yeah, a composite he- scalar. It's, that's way too expensive just to, to get one to see what it's all about. No, and you no, I was gonna buy one. Uh, the HD Retrovision guys were making fun of me because they <laughs> said I can't uh, I can't sit here and criticize without ever actually using one. And I respectfully tell them to fuck right off because <laughs> I, <could laughs> I could see from the picture. You're like, actually, I can. Yeah, it's composite video, <laughs> and that means that um, that it's going to be identical to just plugging it directly into your TV. So uh, if you guys see that. Uh, you know, make sure to, to just skip right past it and don't waste your money. And uh, it's, but, but maybe just take a look uh, and check out some of the names they have because I really, <laughs> I, I just can't get over. Um, what was what was the best one? I just had it right in front. Really makes the picture wow. Yeah, that's where we're gonna have to fit that in some someplace. Yeah. So knowing my luck, he watches the podcast, and I'm gonna get another hate mail like I usually do when people stumble across <laughs> me criticizing them for ripping people off. So hey, we'll see next next week if that happens. <laughs> next up, Rafnet just posted a redesigned version of their SNES to USB adapter, and it uh, leverages ADV Zarch. Add Zarch. I don't know how to say that, but basically, <laughs> um, the latency could be as low as two milliseconds. Uh, so that's that's really awesome. I, I love how Rafnet always just goes above and beyond to get the lowest latency possible. Mm-hmm. It looks like the uh, like the form factor is very similar to the uh, um, the N sixty four to GameCube. It looks like like yeah. the uh, where you you know you have like the whatever chip he puts inside the little uh, mm-hmm. and the dongle there yeah definitely um I, i've yet to to try out his newer stuff i really want to give it a shot I same have a couple here of his same Genesis here adapters but um if anybody has them definitely let me know and uh i haven't tried the latest i actually haven't updated my bliss box in at least a year probably more <laughs> uh, and there's been a bunch of firmwares for that so uh, i'm wondering how that's gonna do i didn't notice any lag at all on the bliss box and i'm usually pretty sensitive but i was playing on a crt it's way mm-hmm. easier to notice half a frame when you're playing on a flat screen that already has two frames you know so, right but yeah do you have any of those adapters um i have we did a video on one like a, about a year and a half ago for yeah, I like uh that video i gotta remember to put a link in the description now <laughs> but but try has the one that's you know the n64 to uh gamecube or gamecube to n64 uh that's very similar to this um the one i have is uh it was a um uh wiimote or we remote to uh like uh, genesis mm, okay um i mean it looks like he's been continuously like releasing new stuff though and updates for a lot of these things. I mean, unfortunately, just kind of falling behind on it. Yeah, I'm following him. Well, if anybody uses his stuff, let me know and uh, and see. But um, I've always been very impressed with it. So yeah. I saw Engadget posted an article with an interview with a speedrunner, uh, and it's one of the few. It's one of the few articles I read about the gaming scene that doesn't make me want to cringe because a lot of these places, it just, you know, when I had Frank Cifaldi on, he was very defensive of other journalists, obviously, and I mm-hmm. don't hold any, you know, I don't hold him in ill regard for doing so, but I am I am definitely more of like a grumpy old man, get off my lawn type of persona with this crap, and I just, uh, 
you know, I don't like people that write, uh, of any genre, that write articles just to try to get people to read the article, you know? I'd rather have something right. well-written, and this this definitely felt more along those lines. Um, I actually know a speedrunner. Um, I want to do an interview with him soon. Uh, you know, cool guy, easy to talk to, so... Uh, but this stuff, um, you know, I, I have a hard time watching speedruns start to finish unless they're kind of short. I did see somebody beat Metroid in 15 minutes. That was pretty incredible. But mm-hmm. there is a YouTube channel where they do, like, mini documentaries about each. Uh, have you ever seen any of those? They're, like, 15-minute um, videos. Like, in the last one I watched was talking about the guy who currently runs or uh, uh, has the Super Metroid um, record. And then somebody did a Zelda one. I think I actually skimmed through this one about about Mario 64 fairly recently. I mean, there was one about Mario 64 that I saw linked someplace. Yeah. I don't know if it's based on the same person in this article because I've not not read the article. Yeah, but. I gotta um, I gotta find the link to that YouTube channel because it was very cool because they uh, they basically do like a, a little mini documentary on the the all around that speed running of that game and show the tricks. Mm-hmm. It was really interesting. And it also kind of break it down. That, yeah. It's and I could cool. never do that. It was a very stark reminder that there's no freaking way I could ever be a speed runner. <laughs> so <laughs> you got to yeah. really, you got to really like a game, you know, like I hear about people like, especially for games that, you know, there's a lot of speed runners for certain games and just, you know, to commit to that. And, you know, like, I think I just saw somebody said, you know, like I'm just starting to speed run, Yoshi's Island. And I think about like there's a lot of speedrunners for Yoshi's Island, it seems like. Yeah, I mean, at least the ones I saw like at game. the <laughs> What's that? I still haven't even completed that game. Uh see, so, you know, actually I've never finished the uh the Super Nintendo version. I I played the uh the Game Boy Advance version when I when I lived in New York, I a lot of subway subway time, you know, I played a lot of portable games and played through Yoshi's Island that way. Yeah, everybody says that. My cousin Scott does that, but every time I'm on a subway now, I'm just jammed in a corner trying not to <laughs> trying to feel less fat than I am, trying to get my elbow out of some lady's face. Like I couldn't imagine sitting there. Scott Scott gives zero fucks about anything. He would walk into the subway with a switch and just hold it, just playing it, not giving a shit. But I don't know. Scott's also like half you know, he's taller than me, but he's half my size, so he could just stand there and not take up as much space. So mm-hmm. Oh, well, but yeah, it's a decent article if anybody's interested. So Firebrand X is added again. Now he did uh, updated PS2 profiles for the Frame Meister. You guys took a look at that, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, we've kind of had a big back and forth for a little while on it. I originally noticed that they, the previous versions were, were very dark when I was doing a episode on, on the uh, Sega Ages 2500 games for the PS2. Like mostly are Japanese only, mm-hmm. and it was just like wow, it's so dark, and I had to like manually brighten it afterwards. So I, you know, I was like, I showed I showed try them, and he's like, yeah, yeah, because especially now that he's getting into the uh, well, he's well into the the PS2 RGB episode. Like we've been really trying to find something that we can both use that looks good, and just a couple of days ago he finally released the uh like an updated version and uh try sent me a, a screenshot comparison of uh resident evil code veronica x and the color be- from his profiles versus the uh the ps4 classics versions mm-hmm. is like exact like it looks amazing that's awesome 
So are you able to, uh, is it not just the brightness? Are you able to see different details or something or? Well, I mean, it was like the main thing for me was like definitely the brightness. Uh, like games like Maximo uh, were so dark that, you know, like I was sitting here playing on a PVM and then, you know, looking at my captures, like I can't see anything in the capture. It's like worthless, basically. Hmm. Uh, but now everything is everything's great now. Awesome. Yeah, I'm obviously a huge fan of his work. So, mm-hmm. um, if you got if anybody watching owns a Framemeister, just update. It's free. It takes two seconds. So, yep. <laughs> cool. Yeah. Well, I'll keep everybody updated with all of his progress because uh, he told me he got an OSSC now. Oh, I can't yeah. freaking wait to see him jump into that and see if there's any tweaks for us. So, yeah, absolutely. And speaking of the OSSC, uh, it looks like Video Game Perfection got the a big batch of power supplies and remotes in. Um, and anybody who orders now should still get theirs by the end of the year. So that's uh, that's very cool. They're really just um, they're really working their butts off to to make this happen. So anybody that wants yeah. one should definitely pick it up now. I'm very jealous of everyone who has a 1.6. I I still have my uh, is it 1.5 that just has the DVI out. Yep. And I I, I recently like kind of uh, hooked it up where I can like you know listen to audio and it also capture audio. Mm-hmm. You know, just using my extra and using splitters and stuff. Uh, I mean, we like both try and I have like kind of fallen a bit more in love recently with the OSC, OSSC, just using it more and more. And I know that uh, Try is building a new computer and he is like going to be using the OSSC as like his main scaler from now on. Or That's you know. awesome. Yeah, I found that if you get the data path, uh, the DVI. Uh, capture cards, frame mm-hmm. grabbers, I think they're called. It's compatible with everything, everything that the OSSC spits out. So, right. Um, I think it's PC only, and you need a tower, not a laptop, which is why it took so long for me to get one. Jose mm-hmm. was, you know, he'd been teasing me about that for over a year now, <laughs> I think, because he's like, you should just get a data path. I'm like, I don't have room for a tower in my apartment. And then I got the office. Now I have a tower again. And it's like, Hey, what was that card you were telling me about? But yeah, it's, uh, it's they're awesome. They're cheap too because uh, they used to be like seven hundred and fifty bucks, and you mm-hmm. can find them for under two hundred now. So the competition's a lot more uh, more intense at this point. Um, I know the try is going to be putting a uh, a Magewell card in his new computer build because he's going to be able to want to uh, capture like four K directly in. Yeah, that's going to be pretty awesome. Yeah, I don't want to. I'm I'm totally going to go off topic for this one. I'll even leave a little mark that uh, to split, <laughs> split this video in <laughs> half. But um, I got in the past year really into capturing to make sure uh, I got things that were accurate. Because a lot of times, like uh, my specialty in my career has always been general stuff, middleman stuff. Mm-hmm. So when I was doing these captures, I'd spend all that time getting my DSLR, shooting a PVM, and I could easily tell the difference between screenshots. And then I do screen captures, and some of the things looked identical. I'm going, well, why the hell? I'll go back to this. This doesn't make any sense. Mm-hmm. And I didn't realize that a lot of this stuff was because the capture card was compressing the image. Um, 4420 color versus 444 original. Right. So getting a good capture card is uh, is imperative if you're doing any kind of comparisons or if you're just crazy and anal and just want the best. But uh, the Epifan, um, I got one that's probably going to be sold by the time I say this, but I just <laughs> listed an Epifan DVI to USB 3. 
mm-hmm. um, and that is full color. It's awesome, but that has some issues with some stuff on the uh, OSSC in different modes. It's not compatible with uh, all okay. consoles in all modes. Right, um, but it's USB three, so it's easy to use, and uh, it does. Even though it's DVI, it does audio and video. So mm-hmm. I use that for all my switch captures, like everything. Um, and the the epi- wait no the data path one uh, is the it only come in the internal versions, and that's the one that's just compatible with absolutely everything. But yeah. audio isn't. So yeah, I would definitely check out the used versions of those on eBay if, for anybody that's interested. 4K, internal though, cards. That, yeah, internal cards are more bandwidth, but that Mageball, do you know which one Mark was getting? Because don't uh, he got it's cost a it was lot. like it was like nine hundred dollars. That's what I thought. Yep. Yeah, um, he's been working pretty closely with uh, with John Linneman from Digital Foundry. Oh, okay. So, uh, you know, like just kind of working out, like because because John has to capture like four K, and he's like also capturing like stuff in, with HDR now too. So. Oh, yeah. um, uh, John plays a little part in our uh, in our PS2 episode, um, our RGB episode. This should be out probably like within two weeks of when this when this video is out. Um, but you know, like very much, uh, we're big fans of Digital Foundry, and you know what they do is very similar to to us. But you know, like they have a lot more viewers and a lot more reach. You know. Um, but it's it's awesome to be able to to work with them, especially since they like you know John found out a lot of things about uh, you know building like a 4K setup, 4K uh, capture setup. So it, it's it's kind of streamlined like the the hoops that we've had to jump <laughs> jump through, and you know without the trial and error. Yeah, one thing I want to do at some point, um, which I, I, I might just you know verbally abuse you guys until you do it because you do a better (laughs) job but um i want to see now that it's way more common to get a 4k tv than a 1080p Mm -hmm. and now that you can get a great 4k tv for like 750 which is a lot of money but it's still i mean less than half of what a great 4k tv was two years ago absolutely um, what about consoles that don't output in native 4k so the Switch, uh, do I run it in 720 or 1080 on my console? The PS3, you know, even the, the, the Xbox One, not S, you know, which is the better resolution? Because right. I found on my Switch, um, you know, no spoilers, but there's one scene in Zelda where there's a lot of stuff going on in a foresty-like area. And, and I did uh, just pictures with my DSLR. In 1080p, you do get a lot more detail. But in 720p, there's a lot less stutter and you know a lot faster frame rate. So, really? Yeah, during that one scene, just running through, it's a little smoother in 720. So, you know, I but, think it's. I mean, <coughs> uh, Dry is definitely doing a um, a 4K TV episode like next after this, after the PS PS2 RGB episode. Now, hopefully, be out like you know be, before Christmas for sure. So, I mean, that's something that he's probably going to get into. Gotcha. Cool. All right. Well, uh, I guess we got a little off topic for that one, but interesting <laughs> stuff. So Yeah. So that update to the Switch that happened about a week, week and a half ago, um, I guess that also added support for the GameCube controller adapter for the Wii U. 
Um, now, two things with that. One is I got a million comments saying that I missed it. Uh, I missed that fact uh, about the update. Um, I do record these on Mondays and Tuesdays. So um, if I think I read about this Monday morning, recorded it Monday afternoon, and then it was away Tuesday. So I just I didn't have time to update it. So <laughs> thank you for everybody <laughs> reminding me that I missed that fact. But uh, sometimes I just got to catch up with it the next week. But um, it looks like some games are supported, not all. Uh, somebody uh, put it in the comments that it wouldn't work on their Switch until they used it on their Wii U again first. So I don't know if that's even possible. Like it's, like it's tricking something internally somehow? Yeah, so it, I guess in theory it could be that when you run the latest <laughs> version of Smash on the Wii U, it gets a system update that updates the firmware and the controller adapter. Right. But I, I mean, that just seems so easy to screw up. Imagine somebody pulling that out halfway before uh, yeah, you know, yeah. the firmware. So um, I'm not sure what the deal with that is, but uh, do you have one of these? I do not have one, but I mean, I would definitely get one if that meant that there was a, uh, if Smash for the Wii U was getting ported to the uh, to the Switch with all DLC, because DLC, I haven't bought any. Yeah, it's always way better <clears throat> when they re-release it with all of the DLC combined. Yeah. I mean, that's how it was with, with uh, Mario Kart 8. You know, I didn't, I didn't buy any, any of that DLC, and then there was a huge incentive to buy the, uh, the, the uh, Switch version. Yeah, I still haven't tried the Switch version of that. I'm going to get around to it. But um, I had one of those GameCube controller adapters. Uh, I bought it. I plugged it into my Wii U. Uh, I tried all the virtual console games. None of them worked, so I put it back in the box and then just sold it. Yeah. <laughs> so whoever bought it got it about with about uh, four minutes worth of use on it. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I was. Uh, but now in hindsight, I'm wondering if there have been little updates to that thing that do make them compatible. So maybe. I mean, nobody's nobody's like talking about it. So I mean, it's it's hard. I might. I, you wonder who's even testing that. Yeah, well, if anybody knows, post down below. I'd love to hear about it. Yeah. Next, the creator of AM2R, Milton, was uh, just uh, interviewed again on Maroons, MaroonersRock.com. I'm probably saying that wrong, but uh, another great interview. Um, such a likable guy. Have you ever heard any of his interviews or anything? I, I haven't. I haven't even played the game. Oh, my God. Honest. Get out. Let's fuck you. I know. <laughs> I know. Seriously, like, I've it's been... so good. I know. I know it, it. It's so tough to find time for games that are not. I'm not doing a video on. I completely 100 <laughs> percent understand where you're going with that. But I mean, if you do, you have a way to play PC games in 240p. No, I really want to get one of the uh, arcade VGAs. Or is that? Oh, it's, it's, I'm just sorry. gonna. I'm gonna mail you something. I, I gotta have pieces together in my office where I could piece you <laughs> together and just plug. Because I, I would love to do that. I mean, it, I could do it. You know, I could. I had it set up for a while where I could do it, you know, in 480p, but I mean, that yeah, was like you gotta do it in 240p. It really, yeah. it feels like you're playing a, a graphically improved version of Super Metroid. It's absolutely uh, killer. So. I mean, that sounds great. One trick I, that somebody had posted in the comments a while back was that you get laptops with the older ATI cards in them, and especially <laughs> if you could find one with a broken screen. Um, then you just hook that up, um, you know, load Windows, add the CRT MU driver, forced uh, 240p, and then that's it. You just take the VGA output of that, put it through a, like a little cheap Xtron sync combiner device, and there's right. 240p all in one little laptop box. So, uh. Actually, 
Uh, whoever posted that sent me model numbers, and I think I lost them. So if you're watching, will you post model numbers again? I'll, <laughs> I'll actually put those on the 240p page on the website, so I'll never forget again. I'd love to pick up one or two of those laptops and just have, because you can get them for like 60 bucks now. So totally worth oh, wow. just picking one or two of them up. Yeah. Have you used the uh, Altamark Arcade VGA? I own one, and I like it very much. And uh, yes, and I could already hear the purists screaming at their YouTube videos while I say that, but a lot of people don't like them because they're expensive and they don't perform mm-hmm. as well as the newer ones. But the one thing that they absolutely do is you plug it in, you load the drivers, you reboot, and it's 240p always. So mm-hmm. you don't boot your monitor in the wrong resolution, and it, the installation is as basic as you could possibly get. So... I, I own one, and I really like it for uh, for that reason. But um, if you're a bit more of a purist, you can get a newer ATI card that's pretty cheap, um, mm-hmm. that's very powerful, that will play, you know, you get noticeable performance difference on the newer games. Oh, okay. But, yeah, all right, well, hopefully we'll get some laptop model numbers, and I'll be able to just <laughs> slap one of these together and mail it down to you. Sounds good. It looks like Xbox has joined the Wireless Speaker and Audio Association, so it could support premium wireless speakers. Um, I have so many questions about this because I, I for but two jobs ago, that amazing job that I had, I actually got to do wireless interference testing, mm-hmm. and there was not one device that I couldn't break one way or another. Um, and you know, some of it were control tests just to prove theory. Some of it was real world testing where I was told there's no way I could break it. And I broke the shit out of it in like 10 minutes. Uh, so anybody in an apartment, um, wireless speakers suck because there's so much interference in that range that you get pops and clicks and, um, delays. But if you're in a house in the middle of nowhere, you get a lot, a lot better performance out of them. So I'm really interested to see how, how that's going to happen because, you know, wireless stuff isn't as popular as you would think. So now that you have a console that's, you know, uh, widely distributed, uh, right. I, wonder, I wonder how, how, how many complaints they're going to get. But the Xbox One itself, um, do you own one of those? I do, yeah. And do you own the regular Xbox One? The, the yeah, S, yeah. The, the... Yeah, I, I got it, you know, like the Christmas of, of at launch, that like, you know, a month and a half gotcha. after it was out. So there's the Xbox One, there's the Xbox One S that's already been out that has the Ultra HD Blu-ray player in it, right? Right, yep. And then there's the new Project Scorpio that's available for pre-order right now. I think it's going to be out like next week or or something like that. Yeah, yeah. So I've had a couple of people tell me that uh, instead of spending, you know, 150 on a used Ultra HD Blu-ray player, that I should actually get an Xbox One S that's uh, yeah used. i mean i think that sounds like a great idea that's a great alternative i, I try to keep like all my things separate if i can you know i still have a blu-ray player for just like blu-rays <clears throat> i'd rather not put like wear and tear in the consoles even though you know it doesn't really do anything you know if but if i have a choice you know i will always use like a you know i'll use my my smart tv for you know like netflix and everything and not use like the apps yeah it's just it's just a a quirk in the way that I, I do it. I'd rather have, you know, like the separate units doing their job instead of like a one thing that does like everything. Normally I would, normally I would agree with certain things, but, um, with this, it's like, uh, to get, I'm going to go down a rat hole here. So I'll just say in one or two sentences to get all of your video media, media on a TV, the correct way. Um, you've always needed two devices. You needed a high quality streamer and a high quality Blu-ray player. 
Uh, right now, there is a streamer out there, the Dune HD Solo Light. That was a FUDA recommendation. It turned out to be mm-hmm. fucking awesome. Um, that's great for everything except playing discs. Um, and I don't often play discs anymore. So right. uh, this is the one exception I would say is, you know, for something I would use once a month to play a disc, totally wouldn't mind. But I don't know, everybody down below, post. I would love to hear what everybody says. I do still read every comment, by the way, even some of the douchey ones. But, uh, <laughs> like, um... Like, what do you think about this? Uh, is it f- for a video file? It's probably not worth waiting for the Project Scorpio because the Blu-ray playback, the Ultra HD Blu-ray player act is going to be the same. Um, but you know, should I save my money and you know wait till I get my job situation squared away and buy the Project Scorpio to experience that in 4K? Do I? Right. Uh, is somebody just selling an Xbox One S because they got their Project Scorpio? They want to sell me cheap, so I could just do it that way, like. What what is the best way to approach this for somebody whose main goal is to get an ultra HD Blu-ray player? And oh, by the way, newer games would be nice too if I ever have time to play games anymore. <laughs> so yeah, I'd love to hear everybody's opinion on that one. Next up, uh, RGB Source has tweeted about uh, a PC Engine dongle board that does 1080p HDMI, and it will have Hue card support from SD later on. So there's zero other information about this. Price, release date, is he open sourcing it, is he selling it? He just kind of tweeted some teaser pics. But it looks like analog to digital conversion, so the same type of thing that you would do like for uh, Rode's um, uh, Turbo Graphics board. But mm-hmm. instead of going from the raw signals amplified to RGB, it gets converted to um, digital, I'm pretty sure. Um, and then... Uh, featured later is the Hue card support would be just like an EverDrive, but built into this, which is kind of cool, actually. Yeah, um, yeah. It's a cool approach for it. Yeah. Uh, I, I really wish you post more info because it just, it's, I, I love things like this. Um, you know, is there going to be analog support as well, making it a dual output board? Is it, you know, would it, if that's the case, is it both analog and digital at the same time or one or the other? Um, has anybody tackled. Uh, optical drive emulation support so that you can mm-hmm. play CD games off of this as well. But, uh, yeah, I mean, hopefully he'll post more info and I'll, I'll certainly report back about it. I mean, but. the close up screenshots look pretty great. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, any more ways that we could uh, try to have zero lag solutions for things mm-hmm. because, you know, the OSSC is great, but it, it does need to be tweaked per console. So, yeah. You know. And speaking of RGB source, uh, he actually extracted the Retron HD uh, HD One's color palette, um, and it's, it's terrible. He, uh, you know, it's basically <laughs> just proof that uh, it's you know it's garbage. I wish there was a way to flash it with a better color palette, um, because while I say things like terrible and garbage, um, that's for people like us that own solutions already. For people that right. don't, I mean, that thing's so cheap. It's a. It's actually a kind of a fun little toy if you just want to play it in hdmi but the colors the colors kill me on that one (laughs) oh well if anybody's interested check it out up next elitist ps2 modder voltar has posted yet another video (laughs) mocking all of us normal humans who can't solder that well (laughs) um all kidding aside voltar's technique has been uh stolen a lot over the years um he's proud of that uh you know he he doesn't think of it as being stolen but when his some of his first techniques started showing up online um, they were great so people were copying them and this i guess is like a tutorial on how exactly to do it that way 
Um, and as much as I love teasing that dude, uh, it, I mean, it's, it's a great method of modding these things. So I'm glad that he finally um, like chronicled the, his methods on how to do this. Because there's just, there's so many little things in there where, you know, running the wires a certain way in a certain direction, there's, you know, the, it's not just to look pretty. It makes everything held very solid in place. And mm-hmm. certain wires have to be run certain ways so you don't have interference or issues. And it's definitely, um, you know, watching that video reminds me that as hard as I try, I will always be like, <laughs> you know, not a beginner, but I don't know what word you would call me because I'm definitely right. better than a beginner, but I'm nowhere close to expert, nor will I ever be. So, yeah, I have no idea like how he, you know, like he just figured out how to do it so good, like how you know to yeah, my, my solder the stuff so good. About his videos is he does skip sometimes over steps, assuming that people know how to do them. Mm-hmm. So, like, he, we were completely just making fun of each other a couple of weeks ago because he's like, all right, now you just cut this down to size, and here you go. And then he skipped it, and he goes, wait, you want me to show you how to cut? Don't you know how to <laughs> cut? I'm like, dude, the trick you showed me last year has changed the way that I run wires. Yes, show everybody how you cut and then how you feed it the right way afterwards. And he's like, I don't understand that. Like, dude. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, Um uh, anybody that's interested in that or just wants to watch some really cool modding techniques, check out yeah. the video. I have a uh, a PS2 that he modded, and uh, it works great. Yeah, I have uh, a couple that died last weekend when I was trying to get some ready. So uh, I was mix. I had a couple of old ones, and one worked fine. One the the laser didn't work, so I was just trying to swap stuff around. And I just uh, I had had so much trouble, so I'm just going to sit there this weekend, take them all apart again, and then very slowly just bring them all back to life, and then just, you know, out of the three, I'm assuming one's going to be a junk unit that I use for parts, and I'll have two good ones, but, yeah. It really makes it look like a work of art, though, the way he, he wires everything up. Yeah, I will not be attempting his methods. I'm just <laughs> doing the C-Sync mod and, uh, you know, maybe some um, some of the soft mods to it. Much, much more basic stuff. <laughs> the Legend of Zelda Encyclopedia Deluxe Edition is available for pre-order now. I guess it's coming out on April 24th of next year. Um, and it says list price 80 but sale pre-order price 48 which probably means that's just the price. But it looks really cool. I mean, I, I, I like stuff like this. Um, yeah, it has like a slipcase, like the Nintendo slipcase and everything. It's pretty... Yeah, it looks just like the. You know, if you look at the book from the front for people that are listening audio only, it looks like the Zelda cartridge, and it slides into what looks like a giant Nintendo sleeve, <laughs> um, and it comes with what looks like a little manual and everything, and then it's in gold. And I, I don't know. I, I really, I always enjoyed stuff like this. Scott got me the uh, Super Nintendo Zelda, the Link to the Past one, uh, a couple of years ago. Uh, this is pretty neat. So anybody that's you, interested, you, definitely pre-order. You're a pretty big Zelda fan. A Link to the Past and Super Metroid are my favorite games of all time. So mm-hmm. yeah, I would definitely call myself a pretty big fan. Yeah, the two I mean, ones. I, yeah, I mean, Link to the Past is definitely my favorite, and I think that it's pretty much as close to a perfect game as I can think of. Yeah, agreed. Um, I, you know, what other? I've seen a few other books like this out there. Um, I actually. <laughs> I was going to give that as a Patreon giveaway a couple months ago or a couple of these really gorgeous, I guess you would call them like a coffee table book if we were mm-hmm. a thousand years old, but like um, just something that it, it really looks nice and it, there's very few things I own that 
you know, I buy it because it looks nice, but that's the purpose of it. You know, you leave it there, somebody grabs it, flips through it, it's artwork. Uh, but a couple of people were like, no, that's a cop-out Patreon giveaway. They're going to think you're just giving away old stuff. I'm like, no, <laughs> but this is awesome. I would love I would love if I won something like this. And they're like, no, give something better. So the Patreons didn't say that. One of my one of my friends that was talking to me about it was like, don't don't give away your old junk. I'm like, it's not. It's, I swear to God, it's a good idea. But <laughs> oh, well. It looks like Microsoft has officially discontinu- discontinued the Kinect. Oh, drag. Today. Um, you know, I've heard that. I've heard people be like, oh, who gives a shit? Um, but a lot of people don't understand the behind-the-scenes stuff with it, and I would have never if I didn't get to see it with my own two eyes. But the technology in, that they had developed for that was used for so many other things, and what they learned and built from that is definitely going to... You're going to be seeing that in their VR products and a lot of other things. Um, the Connect was absolutely an amazing device, it just, you know, a lot of games didn't really take advantage of how cool it was. But, I mean, I was at a trade show with, uh, and my Microsoft reps called me into a room, and they're like, hey, you got to check out this thing that we just did. Um, and they had, you know, a, a real neurosurgeon, but, you know, dressed for the part. And he walks up, and he's all, you know, he's gloved up. So he's, you, got this, you know, it, it's <laughs> obviously a demonstration, but it's as if he's about to go in for surgery, so he can't touch anything. And he walks up to his computer, and he holds his hand up, and then the the menu comes up, and he could scroll through, and he was, like, pulling up MRIs and rotating them in three. It was almost like Minority Report, but you have to be in front right. of the stupid little Connect thing. And it was uh, it was amazing. So uh, while I won't miss that, that exact thing itself, um, I'm positive that we're going to see different iterations of that, um, most likely in their VR hardware. So. Right. Yeah, I mean, I never really used the Connect for anything. I never had a 360 Connect. I just got one with my Xbox one and it's in a Ziploc bag in the bottom of a bin. I mean, I just never used it for anything. I thought it was cool to, uh, you know, I, I guess I used it just for like basic system interface for a mi- like maybe a week or so. And it was kind of cool being able to like, you know, bring up certain things using the, you know, like the microphone and everything, but I just never used it for anything. Although, you know, I wish, I would use it if they ported uh, Child of Eden to the uh, to the uh, Xbox One, because <clears throat> that's one game that I uh, that I thought was was great, but I've only played it with a controller. It was kind of like made with a Kinect in mind. That was like kind of like the pseudo sequel to um, uh, Res. Yeah. So do you think that's the, like the de facto Kinect game? If anybody wanted to experience what that was like, I think so. Yeah. I mean, I think that that's probably like. You know, probably the most fun game. I mean, there was a game called like the Gun uh, Stringer or something like that that I heard was really good, but I've never played it. Well, everybody post down below if you have a favorite Connect game. Maybe I'll get around <laughs> to trying that out one of these days. Looks like Retrobit is uh, selling new multi carts. Um, did you hear anything about this? Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, I, we received an email from uh, a Retrobit rep, and hopefully, we'll get a chance to take a look at these in the in the future. Um, I was originally like interested because like I wrote back to this email that they sent us and I said, you know, did they have to like cut any content or anything like that to get these to do this? They said, no, everything is like works just as perfectly. Um, so there's, there's two different, like they're working directly with like Jalico and data East. Right. So these are officially licensed multi-carts. Right. Right. So Which have, like, mm-hmm. 
is it, I mean, I, I feel like having like the express permission and working with the uh, original developers to do it like, you know, like that, that's, that sounds good on paper, but we'll have to see how they perform. Yeah. I'm, I'm interested in the nerdy side of it, of course, you know, yeah. um, are they going to have hard gold or Enig? Is it going to be the correct voltage? Are the mm-hmm. cartridges themselves going to have beveled edges or is it going to be just that gigantic rectangle like so many of other ones that I've seen? So uh, I guess we'll see. Um, I guess this is a pre-order, right? They're coming out in a couple of months. Yeah, it's, um, it's, as far as I know, yeah. And there's it's, one for Nintendo and then three for Super Nintendo, right? Yeah, I mean, the kind of the big ones, like the Super Nintendo one, or like Super Nintendo ones are kind of the bigger ones, you know, the Joe and Matt games on right. one cartridge. Then the, the uh, Jalico Brawlers pack, which has, you know, like Rival Turf and uh, Tough Enough. Mm-hmm. You know, and yeah, what is it? There's one I can't think of what the game is. That's uh, like like Peacekeepers. I think is like a really expensive game. Oh, all right. Well, hey, then that alone might be worth it for some people. Yeah. So yeah, there's a link in if they, the description. If they're not going to slowly kill your system. There you go. Um, yeah, there's a link in the description with a list of each individual game as well. So check that out if anybody's interested. All right. Next up, two YouTube hacks got paid off to do a video on something nobody gives a shit about. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, sorry, sorry. Um, As awesome, always video, uh, you know, always good videos from you guys. Uh, The the one thing that I didn't understand that maybe it was just because it was, uh, you know, that simple was switching of the discs. I watched the video and I even rewound that one part. Um, yeah. So when it says, you know, the, please insert disc two, and then you pressed the button, did right. it automatically switch to disc two, or did it bring up the menu and then you select disc two? It, it brings up the uh, the menu interface and it switches it. It's just like, <clears throat> excuse me, just as, you know, when you pop open the top, it would take you to that interface anyways. So what, what the button does is it I've loads... a two-disc game on the Saturn, so I didn't even realize that's what happened. Right. I mean, some games allow you to save... But I mean, specifically D that I show brings me brings you back to that that menu Mm -hmm. and it allows it to, uh, you know, gives you time to like switch the discs. Um, But what the button does is that it uh, automatically loads the next image file on on the on the card. So if if you had like a disc two and you like named it something completely different, it wouldn't work. But if you just like call it like, you know, D disc two. It'll load that. So no matter what you name it, if you name it one two three four five space one one two three four five space two, then it'll automatically go to the next. And same if it's the name of the game dash two. There's no specific thing you have to do, right? Right. Um, when the, when the when it first was released, uh, there was no menu interface, and you had to hit the button as many times as it took to get to the game, like the the disc image on there. So you'd have to keep your own like paper list and say like, okay, so. You know, uh, Astol. Astol is like uh, like the third game on there. So you got to turn on the system, press it three times hmm. to to load that one. Bef- that was before they started. They had the the menu that you could build. Interesting. Well, um, but, awesome but other than that, I mean, uh, I mean, we were able to do it because um, this guy uh, Drew Literal, uh, who lives fairly close to me, donated a system, and I was like not familiar with you know, ODEs in general until like he said, you know, I have this extra system cause he was, he had just gotten a, uh, um, 
another another Saturn yes. unit. Oh, oh, okay, different Saturn. Yeah, the uh, why can't I think of it? Like, there's the high Saturn with the other one. Oh yeah, it's a difficult the, tongue too. I can't remember. Yeah, for some reason I cannot think of it. So he had gotten one of those, and he was putting um, one in there, and he was like, "I have this extra one." I mean, I know you guys are going to be working on a Saturn uh, episode later on this year. I would love for you to take this. And I was like, okay, awesome. yeah. Yeah, so a huge thanks to him. You should check out his channel. Uh, it's called This Old Console, and old is spelled O-L-D-E. Gotcha. Okay, I'll put a link to that in the description as well for people that um, uh, want to check that out. And, you know, mm -hmm. this stuff, uh, regardless on what your stance on piracy is, like, you know, there are some people out there, <coughs> Nick, um, who, who hates <laughs> all kind of ROMs and, and, and stuff like that at all, uh, no matter what you do. No matter how mm -hmm. much you complain, CDs are going to die eventually. And it, your CD-ROM drives and the drive assemblies and lasers are going to die eventually. But the ROMs could live forever. So having right. optical drive emulators, I mean, I, I'm not a betting man, but I would absolutely bet one of my, you know, one of my pristine monitors on the fact that that Saturn itself um, would last five, six times as long as the optical drive assembly inside of it, if not more. Right. So, you know, in fact, you'd probably have to replace the power supply less than you would the optical drive assembly. So these things are really necessary. I just uh, <clears throat> I hope they're able to find a way to ramp up production to make them more available for people. Yeah, I mean, as far as I know, um, Duda New, he like does it as kind of a hobby. Mm. So, I mean, I know there's supposed to be he posted on, on the site that there's going to be some available this Saturday. But everyone, there's yeah, so I'm many people going to bother to post a link to that because there's no chance in hell people are going to get them. So. Yeah, I mean, it's it's, you know, it's frustrating because, you know, people want to buy it and then they can't buy it. But I mean, we've we've had a lot of comments saying like, oh, you know, you just made it impossible for people to get it. But just because so the, does that mean that we should just like never talk about it or, you know, it's like yeah. I think it's it's more of like an interesting thing to kind of show like, you know, this is pretty cool. This exists. Yeah, and there's no way there's no way that your video was going to make it any less available because the thing was impossible to get anyway. Right. But, um, I'm very interested, um, not to shit on those products because they're amazing, but I'm very interested in Professor Abrasive's Satiator. Yeah, absolutely. It. Literally, just plug it in the back and that's it. So yeah, the, you know, and I mean, I really want to see that. It's very important, I think, that I brought that up because as an alternative uh, yeah. in the video. You know, and there's a lot of people saying like, "Oh, I'm more interested in that. Like, why don't you talk more about it?" But I was like, "Because the, the video wasn't about that. It was right. about you and know the feed not available, and those those have been released to the public in low quantities. But those have been released for a while, and Professor Abrasives isn't going to be for quite a while, I think. Right. So. And I mean, it'll be interesting to see what happens later on down the road. I mean, I would rather like if Professor Abrasives uh, device works, you know, like perfectly. Like, I will definitely just probably put them in my like model one Saturn and, uh, you know, play my disc games off the disc and then use that for other stuff. Cause I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't like if I, I have a bunch of games on, on the, uh, on the SD card, but I don't like consider like I'll, I, they're there for me to catch capture footage from not like I'm going to sit down and play this game. I usually don't sit down and just like play through a game that like I don't own. If, if that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, everybody I, has their own weirdness with that. Um, 
you know, if I if I play a game, a ROM of a game, and I really love it, um, even if I'm halfway through it, I'll go buy the original just mm-hmm. to have because it's just something that I would like. Right. Um, but it has no purpose other than it's something I would like. I'm still going to complete the game using the ROM. So, right. It's, you know, it's everybody has their own weirdness. There's no right or wrong way. There's one wrong way. Don't don't take a bunch of ROMs and try to sell them. Other than that, <laughs> there's no wrong way. So. Well, uh, I'll definitely be keeping my eyes open for a Model 1 Saturn with a dead CD-ROM drive, because hopefully I'll be able to pick one of those up really cheap, and I'll just save that for when uh, the Satiator comes out. Yeah, I have a uh, a uh, Dreamcast with a dead uh, GD-ROM drive in it, and it's just waiting for this for me to get a, a GDMU. Awesome. Well, um, I'll post links down below for everybody interested, but definitely check out the video. It's, uh, I'm not just saying this because he's on. I always, I always try to <laughs> blow up these guys' spot because uh, I love the video. So definitely check well, it thanks. out. So Nintendo just posted their sales for the year, and it looks like uh, come April, this Switch will have re- surpassed the Wii U's total sales altogether. Oh, so, isn't that so crazy? That yeah. is so crazy that it happened so quick. But... Didn't Nintendo the past couple of consoles flip flop like that? Like, didn't the GameCube not do as well as they'd hoped? And then the Wii was a huge smash, and then the Wii U was kind of a flop. And now the Switch is a huge smash. So yeah, I mean, you know, it, like the the Wii U, I think it just struggled to find an audience because you know the the concept of the Wii U was like fully realized in in the Switch. You yeah. know, a a portable system that you can play on your TV. And you mean, can switch back and forth. Yeah, and when when the Switch came out, uh, Scott was over and we did a whole discussion and we went deep into, you know, what what would we gain if it was more powerful? And, the you know, the end conclusion that we and pretty much everybody on the planet came to is it doesn't really matter how powerful the Switch is. It's just how right. well it works. Whereas the, the Wii U, I, I still very strongly feel like if they we're less concerned with making it this big and more concerned with uh, all of the other aspects of it, it could have really benefited from being way more powerful. You know, like if uh, if you had more interaction with games and a higher resolution screen on the handheld, you know, tablet unit, like, I, I, if they had just really made it like a 1080p Wii, mm-hmm. I think it would have been so much more potential if they had just gone from that perspective and I would hope that the next version of the Switch is like a 4K version of the Switch or something. So the same right. exact thing, just, you know, now it renders games in 4K or something. And that it, people tend to, or companies, I guess, uh, tend to do a little bit better when they, they come at it from that perspective. But um, I guess, you know, 10 years from now, we'll look forward to some clickbait hidden gem Wii U videos. So. <laughs> yeah. is there, uh, is, was there anything on there that really stood out to you that you loved? Was there anything with, like, the... On the, the Wii U? Hand, yeah, the handheld screen that really made the experience better for you? Uh, the handheld screen didn't make any difference at all. I mean, I would, if, I would not use it if, if you weren't forced to. Same here, except for the DS games, but the DS games had so much lag that I couldn't even play them on my flat screen. I'd have to roll over my BVM and play in 480p. Oh, really? I had no idea. I mean, they they look really good. They the the Game Boy or I don't I don't know. I know the Game Boy Advance games were done by uh by M2, a yeah, Japanese and those developer came that came out great too. Yeah. But the DS ones, I don't know. If, I, I'm assuming it probably wasn't powerful enough to to run the emulator on both mm-hmm. the big screen and the little at the same time. But yeah, well, um, 
hey, you know, let's we'll, let's pour one out for the Wii U. <laughs> <laughs> Next up, Citrus three thousand PSI has posted another update to his GC Video Dual Output project, so you could do uh, RGB and HDMI out at the same time. Uh, it's the internal mod. Um, and hopefully I'll be getting my hands on one of these pretty soon. Um, I tried the GC plug, the external version, uh, and it's freaking awesome. I'll have a video coming up uh, with that relatively soon. I'm kind of a little crazy these past few weeks, but, um, you know, without a doubt by the end of the year, but I'm aiming for before Thanksgiving-ish. Um, but, yeah, I mean, uh, I just, another small update, uh, but I just want to keep everybody in the loop because, um, you know, he's doing the smart thing of doing small board revisions, testing them, and then moving along. And it looks like this might be the final version, and it looks like they're tested and working well. So um, I'll let everybody know when I get that in. Are you going to be getting one of these, or do you already have an internal solution? Um, I, have an, I have two different units. I have, you know, I have like my main one that I use just like the component cables with, and I have another unit that has an internal uh HDMI. Um, but I think this is kind of like the best of both worlds, obviously. Yeah, you know, the- so this, um, I got into a big discussion with Michael from Badass Consoles about this, because it's my personal opinion, and maybe I, maybe I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about, but <laughs> uh, your average GameCube user would definitely, without a doubt, be better off just getting the external plug, the, the you know, the, the well-designed ones, the ones... Right from Greg and Dan, or the, you know, the, the badass consoles. One ever sees the light of day. I certainly we saw those pictures. They look great um, because it's the GameCube is the only console that has the digital pins on the outside. So mm. it's the only time you're ever going to be able to just plug something in, and it's as perfect as an internal mod. Right. But I strongly feel like a dual internal solution is is a necessity, and I think 99 percent of the people that buy those are going to be Twitch streamers. Or yeah. people that do any of the um, uh, any of the competitions, because Twitch streamers now get a zero lag analog output that they could play on their monitor while mm-hmm. having a really high quality HDMI output go to their capture card. And right. Same with big events. Now you could have you know the the finalists in the tournament playing on a really awesome tube TV of sorts, hopefully a, a PVM or something, and then the output goes to a big screen for everybody to watch yeah, as like well a projector as the stream and the project. Yeah, so. Um, uh, it's exciting. I'm, I'm really glad that uh, there's progress made, um, and uh, I'll be doing a, a written interview with Unseen at one point. He he likes to literally be Unseen, so <laughs> total respect to that. I understand 100. percent So um, uh, actually, I don't even know if it's a he. It's, I just think no, it's a person from Germany. So maybe I'll have one of my German friends come on and uh, and and read his responses <laughs> or something. There's a way I could pull that off respectfully. I'm totally going to do it because I'm a huge fan of his work. I certainly wouldn't do it to mock him, but. Yep, I'll keep everybody posted if they go up for sale. All right. I just wanted to very quickly mention this last thing. Uh, I get to meet a developer of somebody who's doing a Deadpool NES game. And it's based off of Ninja Gaiden, but um, it's really awesome. I mean, there's cutscenes, it's funny, the <laughs> gameplay's good, it's not obscenely hard, it's something that I could even play, which is, you know, I'm not great at old NES games. I don't know. I, I forgot to get the guy's contact. I, um, I tried to look him up. I don't know if I'm allowed to put a link. I don't know if like there's a demo available. I think he <laughs> talked about probably making, or I was trying to get him to release just one level for free as a demo and then figure it out from there. Maybe it'll be available on a, on a real cart, maybe not, but I did give him all the names of the people to go to for small production, production, <laughs> everything else, but I really enjoyed it, so I just wanted to show the clip, and if there's any 
Ninja Gaiden fans that want a Deadpool version of that game, um, hopefully it'll be released relatively soon. Sounds like a good combination to me. Yep. All right, now on to the Q&As. Uh, first up from Onswoggle? Onswoggle? <laughs> what do you think? Um, yeah, probably Onswoggle. <laughs> you know, you know Poenswoggle. Yeah, all right. Uh, he got the PAL version of the Super Nintendo 3DS XL, and he said it didn't come with an IPS screen, so there's just a quick heads up that, uh, you know, there's a good chance that the U.S. ones might not have that either. Thanks for reporting. It's too bad it's, uh, it's hard to track those down. I wish there was like a serial number you could look for or something. Yeah, I, I just got a, a, a new 3DS myself, like the, the smaller kind. Yeah. And I don't believe it has the IPS screens either. Yeah, it was it's... actually you that uh, when we were at the Nintendo store, when I, I said I was looking to get a bigger one, and you said, no, you like the smaller one because the, the screens look better because the pixels were close together. Right. That, that's what drove me to put two of them side by side. And I agree 100%. I like the smaller one better. So. Yep. I, I switched from a uh, just a regular XL to a new smaller one just because, you know, I just think it feels more portable that way too. Well, uh, I love mine, so uh, uh, hopefully people could have... Uh, maybe one day we could find a way to, to figure out which ones are IPS screens or not. <laughs> Next up, Clint Collage had a question about testing lag. Um, and I'm going to try to keep it short because I really plan on doing a whole other video about this. Um, because I see people getting lag testing wrong all the time. Uh, hacks like My Life in Gaming and... Uh, <laughs> No, you guys are the few that get it right. Um, there was a couple of people, somebody like uh, emailed me a link to a video they did, and they're a new YouTube channel starting out. They're one of those people that has like all the right equipment to make it look like a super great production, but they're still kind of green. And mm -hmm. they, uh, they talked about a, a zero lag solution that did not have zero lag, and I tried to walk them through how to test it. But the best way to do it is to split a signal between a CRT and a flat screen. Now, in my personal opinion, the way I like to test it is I have my GSCART switch, and I'll use like a, any of the consoles that run the 240p test suite. Um, I'll have the, the stopwatch thing going, and one output of the GSCART switch goes directly into an RGB monitor, even one of those little small 8-inch ones that are cheap and easy to find. Right. And then the other output goes to the OSSC, which we've tested, and it's definitely... Uh, you know, if it has lag, it's in the one millisecond range. So you're not going to, it doesn't matter and you're not going to pick it up anyway. Mm -hmm. And then I have, I always put the CRT to the right of the flat screen. And then I do a couple of tests. Um, now I have flat screens. Uh, that's how I would test the lag of a flat screen. Um, and then if you want to test different solutions too, you could use the, the median lag on the flat screen. So if I was testing the lag of something else and I knew that my, consistently has about two frames of lag, then I would factor that in. You could even get lag-free flat screens, but that's, that is definitely the way that I would suggest doing it. Um, the other thing, too, you could just use composite video. So you could just take uh, you know, a nest with composite out, use a Y adapter, which you shouldn't do that for long-term play, but for this testing, no problem. Mm -hmm. and, you know, One going into a CRT of any kind and the other one going into your flat screen. But the only issue I have with that is, uh, and I, you know, there is the whole flat screen resolution debate where you know, most people have come to the conclusion that if you don't run at the original resolution, the native resolution of your panel, 
you get lag, but there's right. no there's no difference between 480p, 720, what 1080p to 4K, let's say. But I have, without a doubt, seen differences in analog to digital in. So something that comes in through like the composite video port um, takes more processing to get it over to the 4K digital signal. So you might see a difference in lag just that you're using composite versus anything else. Mm-hmm. Um, anything else to add to that? What are you, any other tricks that you guys have been using? Um, something we've been kind of experimenting with lately is to uh, use a arcade stick that has a light on the button when you when you uh, there's a uh, like the NES Advantage. It lights up if you if you press the button. And uh, I think I have one down here. There's a Genesis. Uh, arcade stick that has like the buttons will light up when you hit the button as well or like the little red lights will come on when you press the button very cool yeah so um now with the taking pictures of the flat screen next to the tube um i originally just exclusively used a high-speed dslr Mm -hmm. and as well as my iphone in the what 240 frames slow motion Right, right. Every single time, every test was spot on to both. So mm-hmm. I never once got different results from the DSLR. So now I only just I just hold up my iPhone camera. I'll take like 20 seconds of footage, and then I'll go back and scroll through, and you watch the two dials spinning around and see what the difference is. Yeah. Um, now, how do you? How is your median test using the light on the controller? Um, I mean, it's been pretty decent i mean we haven't like really uh like used it in an episode we haven't had to uh put in an episode yet i mean maybe we will with this this uh ps2 episode i don't think so though i guess the Um, test would be like a slow motion camera and you do you do the button test on a uh yeah oh yeah yeah you do it on a flat screen and that's how you could determine the difference in lag between the tube and the flat screen right we usually like shoot it at 60 frames per second and then you know, gotcha. it should it should be instant on the CRT, and then you know right. you, you can count the frames that way for the uh, count the frame differences. Know. And I guess you right. could use that same light trick for everything from controller adapters to software emulation, emulation versus original right. versus. Yeah, I want to get more into that. Do you think sixty frames a second is fast enough to be able to to capture yeah. everything? Yeah. Okay. Because I did the test with uh, the the Super Nintendo Classic versus something going through a Frame Meister, and I thought mm-hmm. it worked pretty well. But, yeah. Uh, especially when I did the second test on um, SNES through the OSSC versus um, SNES through that crappy six frames a second <laughs> lag scaler, you could right. literally just see the difference in Mario jumping. So it was, yeah, that was a great visualization. But um. So yeah, so his to directly answer the question after all of that word vomit that I just spit out, um, to do tests without an RGB monitor, you could definitely just do it with composite, or you could uh, try to do the light test that uh, Corey just said, and just keep in mind you might get a slightly different uh, response from composite than you would have, you know, like the OSSC going through it um, at some kind of higher digital resolution. Right. Here's a quick one. Um, Yanni asked, does the Indiegogo campaign being put on hold mean the forum is also put on hold? Um, Yeah, absolutely. So um, forums, the administration of a forum uh, requires infinitely more work than setting it up and getting everything going. And uh, the biggest issue, the biggest two issues I've had about forums, number one, like 99% 
is making sure that that information, all those awesome things that we find, gets archived. So in order for that to happen, there has to be a bunch of good moderators. And for my side, it would, you know, I would have to be the main one for at least the first couple of months who can sit there and go, hey, we've reached a point. Like, uh, like after I verify Voltar's findings and a few other people do, that would go right onto the corresponding page or even maybe a new page would be created because of that. So that's, you know, getting that information there is absolutely necessary. Otherwise, it would just be a waste of a forum. And the other part is just the moderation of the people in the forum, being able to um, to, to go in without emotion and, and be able to say which is a good argument that's healthy and what people are just being douchebags or what people can't help themselves and they should just be banned even though it's not their fault. So that is, a lot of that's hard and that takes hours a day to make sure that happens. And I just, I don't have that until, you know, until everything gets fixed and settled. So I wish, I wish I could just flip a switch and turn everything on, but I'm working on it. So we'll see. <laughs> and lastly, uh, Windy City Gaming is, uh, was posted again. Um, you know, he, he emailed me and told me to contact him. He posted on a couple of videos. I just, I don't, I don't have time for any of that. Um, I thought I was pretty clear in my uh, videos, my opinions on it. I, I don't think I said anything bad. Um, I, my only complaint was a, 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 the requirement of a sticker. But uh, um, yeah, I mean, uh, you have? Do you have one of his? Um, no, I, I have tested uh, one of his. You know, as before, I think it was like the, it's like like the ATX three hundred or something like that was the is the name of his super gun. Um, we were working on an episode um, that just like hasn't come out, like on super guns, um, and you know I, I thought it worked very well, but I mean obviously like this, we were not running anything through a GSCART, mm-hmm. so we didn't run into any issues. We we're just running it directly into a frame meister. Um, oh geez, that's all. I mean, you might. That's just as bad. <laughs> well, I mean, it was. We've. Well, if, I only if you had with the it switch like two in the right days. position, it wouldn't be. Never. I mean, let me let me let me retract my statement. If you have the switch in the correct position, it's fine. So, I guess that's the only issue. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, it's. I mean, I thought it was was uh, was fine, but I mean, like this, all this stuff like makes me really nervous about this, like everything that has to do with super guns. I guess. Well, I got to ask you a question. And I'm, I don't mean to put you on the spot, but when he sent you the super gun, did he tell you at which way to toggle the switch if you're using it into a frame meister? Was that even mentioned or in any of the no, documentation? No. I mean, the, the one that we used, it then it was like before it even was available for sale. Fair enough. Okay. <clears throat> fair, you know, totally, totally fair enough. Because that was my my only complaint in all of this was just communication of where of that switch is even there where it's mm-hmm. supposed to be toggled to that that's the only real negativity i put towards this so it's uh you know it's just a shame because apparently it's a, a really well-made product that just with that one little bump in the road but uh, i guess he's contacted people with a solution he's sending out stickers or stuff or uh and, and doing a bit more for people so i mean like i i certainly like i've said every other time i'm not knocking the guy's business or super guns my only complaint was just that uh you know, communicating where the switch is supposed to be and what it's there for. So. Mm-hmm. And for the record, if you had taken that and gone directly into a PVM and directly the audio into like a stereo or something, 
Um, you know, I, I can't speak for something I haven't tested, but I would be willing to bet that you would never have an issue ever, no matter where what the switch was toggled into. It's just for things that are designed to one spec that are you plug something in that's out of that spec. So. Right. Well, hopefully this will mean, uh, you know, better communication, like on super guns, you know, because obviously like the interest in them is expanding yeah, uh, constantly. So I think that, you know, having, you know, better communication, well, you know, is a win for everybody. It is. And I heard, um, I don't want to say the name because I don't want to turn this into like a uh, passive aggressive smear fest, but I did hear, <laughs> I did hear that another super gun maker uh, jumped on the other side of this. And as soon as the controversy happened, sent out an email to all of his buyers and said, Hey, I just want to let you know, uh, mine does fall through the uh, fall within the scar spectrum. So you don't have to worry about anything. You know, let me know if you have any questions. So uh, hopefully people are just learning, uh, using this as a learning experience. And, you know, it sucks that Wendy had to deal with a bunch of, you know, emails and stuff for a a week or so, but everybody might benefit at the end of the day as a result. Right. All right, one last one. Uh, I have a question for everybody. Does anybody in the U.S. work at a metal shop that does powder coating? Because I have that uh, case for the G-SCART switch that was all metal. That was one of the prototypes. And I really would love to get that powder coated black, and it needs a little bit of work. So some of the holes need to just be um, widened a little bit. And to be honest, this stuff is an art form. Like if you gave me a file and said, you know, make everything fit, it would look it would look like a, a kindergartner with a you know a blowtorch hit it. It'd be terrible. <laughs> Some people just have the ability to do these things. And so if you work at a powder coating shop and you'd be willing to just uh, just align a couple of the holes differently, you could probably do it with a file or a machine, and then powder coat it all black and get me some nice looking black screws. Um, I would love to to have somebody pay. You know, I'd love to pay to have somebody take care of that for me and, and hopefully get a good quote. Um, you know, stuff like this, I'm always waiting. Like, if you go to a car shop, yeah, no problem. It'll be 600 bucks. Come on. I, I, I'm not, <laughs> this isn't going into a $100,000 classic car. This is going to my, you know, my office. So if anybody works at a metal shop, let me know. I'll mail that thing over. Well, that was freaking awesome. Thanks for coming on, Corey. I appreciate <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, I mean, you're always welcome. I love I love doing these things with somebody, and, uh, you know, I'm a big fan of my life in gaming. But uh, This what is the first thing we've, like, next? gotten to do since we did the, uh, when we were hanging out at Barcade Brooklyn. Yeah. A little bit over a year ago. Yeah, that's right, actually. This is the first thing we have to work on together. So we've got to make more time <laughs> to do that in the future, I guess. Yeah. But uh, before I just talked over you, sorry, uh, Skype delay, <laughs> um, what do you guys have coming out soon? What could I help promote for you guys? Uh, well, I mean, we have the, uh, the PS2 RGB episode coming out, uh, hopefully within, within the next two weeks. Um, it's going to be huge. It's an hour long. Um, and uh, this coming Saturday, November 4th, we are going to be participating in the uh, Extra Life Marathon. Oh, yeah? Where we're going to be doing uh, streaming from 10 a.m. on Saturday morning until 10 a.m. on Sunday morning and try oh, to uh, raise some money for... Uh, for Cincinnati Children's Hospital. Wow, that's a that's quite the marathon. Yeah, I've never done anything cool. like this before. It's Dude. for me. Tri's done a whole bunch. He's done a whole bunch of marathons like this. From uh, you know, he is his site that he is the co-founder of uh, Backloggery does hmm. um, does marathons pretty often. But this is the first time. We're not going to be you know together for it. But we're going to be doing a uh, like a dual stream where we're going to have both have our own game screens up. Um, 
at the same time, you know, they so have some gonna, guests. Are you going to trade off where, like, you know, so like a tag team thing, or is, are you guys all both going to try to do it 24 hours straight? No, we're both going to be doing it. That's and crazy. you're going to be able to see, you know, both of our gameplay windows, and we're going to try to finish as many games as we can that we haven't haven't finished before. That is freaking crazy. I, uh, yeah. Wow. So um, I, I'll jump on whenever you guys get a chance. Uh, one of my yeah. favorite bands is playing in Jersey Saturday night. Mm-hmm. So maybe depending on how it falls into play, maybe I'll uh, I'll jump on during the day and then maybe I'll jump on right afterwards so you guys could make fun of me all drunk for now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, we're going to have, have a bunch of people, uh, you know, a bunch of friends uh, on and off Skype throughout the throughout the marathon. It should be pretty cool. Um, like you, uh, uh, Nick from HD Retrovision is going to do it, uh, Voltar, um, uh, John Linneman from Digital Foundry is going to show up at some point. It's gonna be it's gonna be fun. A lot of tech talk, a lot of messing around, and hopefully we'll be able to finish a lot of games. Awesome, awesome. Um, well, I mean, thanks again for coming on. I don't really have much else to promote other than the usual stuff. Um, <laughs> you know, check out all the links in the descriptions. Um, unless something happens and I get caught up, I will be at, I think it's called Tenth Street Live in New Jersey to see my friend's band play. I think. I hope they're going on first. In my in my old age, I don't want to. I don't want to <laughs> be out all night and then find my way home and then have to get up and do stuff. It's all about that commute home. That's like the worst part. Yeah, well, I'll be doing mass transportation because this is. I mean, these are friends, but they're my one of my favorite bands first. Mm-hmm. So for me, this is a huge party. I'm just going to go get drunk and, and act like a silly person and enjoy my, my one of my favorite bands. So yeah. everybody's around, uh, tweet at me. Hopefully I won't get caught up in the office or hopefully I'll be able to walk. The last time I went to see them, I was so freaking, my back was hurting so bad. I just went home <laughs> and laid on the floor like an idiot. So um, tweet me if uh, if you guys are in the Jersey area and want to listen to some uh, some good old Jersey metal. And uh, yeah, I don't know. Thanks, thanks for watching. As always, all comments and criticism are welcome, so fire away down below, and uh, we'll see you guys next time. Yep. Take care.